All right, guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q, and I want to do something a little different today. Um, what I want to start is a series. Now, I know what you're thinking is, boy, here we go, series, right? What I want to do is I'm going to start doing these series based on history and how it equates to today and the things that have happened throughout history, not of just this country, but of the world and man, history of mankind for the most part. You know, there's a famous quote by George Santayana, which states, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Now, that has morphed into a different saying, and it goes, you know, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. And we hear that a lot. We've heard that a lot recently, especially in the last couple of years with them tearing down statues of, you know, different, you know, uh, Southern uh, generals and, you know, George Washington and Abraham, you know, all these people, they're tearing down statues because, you know, General Lee was racist and he was this and he was that. And my theory is, you know, I don't know that we need the statues up of these Confederate generals and you know, what Confederate pre uh, presidents and whatnot to honor them, but maybe to learn to not make those same mistakes again. And what I'm going to, I'm going to do a series. Now, this particular portion is probably going to be at least a two-parter. And um, in the future, as I move down the road, I'll do different things over history, over things that, that happened in the past, like I said, whether it was in this country, other countries, but throughout mankind, throughout the time of recorded history. So, and see how the things of, of the past equates to today and the mistakes that we make. And, um, you know, obviously, the, the show being Don't Tread on America, right? I'm more focused on what we're doing wrong in this country and uh, how we're doomed to repeat history and the mistakes of others. So this uh, series here is going to be labeled The Rise and Fall of Great Empires in History. So throughout the history of mankind, there's been many different empires. I mean, too many to name because you could say, you know, I, I don't know, 10s, 20s, 30s, 100, you know, maybe different empires. But we're going to focus on five the five most powerful empires in the history of mankind, as as far as we know, and I, when I say that like that, I mean as far as written, recorded history. And the reason I want to do this is, we all every empire that I'm going to name and tell you guys about, you've heard about. Um, what happened to those empires? Like, how did they start? Why did they fall? Was it in defeat? Was it something else? Was it something that led to the defeat? You know, um, and we'll delve into that. But it's interesting to note that these five, the five most powerful empires in history doesn't include the United States. And I would say the reason that is is because we are currently in an empire state. Okay, so, and you'll see what I mean. So, like, the five most powerful empires in history. And like I said, this is going to be a two-part series. I'm going to try, and, and, and depending on how much I ramble and get into this, it might even be a three-parter. Um, I'm going to try and keep each each um, part to one hour. Um, 
and then it won't be a back-to-back series. So it'll be part one will be today, and then I'll do another part two, you know, the following week, and so on and so forth. So we can spread them out on top of current content. So at any rate, so the five most powerful empires in in human history go as such, and this is based based in order of um, timeline. Okay, so number one, you had the Persian Empire, which is basically in the Middle East. Then, obviously, everyone everyone knows the Roman Empire. And then go back into the Middle East and the Arab Empire, which is also known as the Caliphate, which is interesting because they still, they still use that word today. And it's a reference back to these times. And then, of course, we'll go into the Mongolian Empire with Genghis Khan and then the British Empire. And then how do those five empires, the rise and fall of those five empires, equate to what's going on now in our country? Because like I said, based on everything I've read, you go through these five empires that I just named, and they lasted two, three, four hundred years or longer. And um, that's why I say we're still in the empire state of America. So America is the next great, most powerful empire, but we're still, for the love of God, still (laughs) as one for now. And um, basically what I want to do is I just want to go through these different empires to show you what has happened in the history of empires. And if any of that sounds familiar as to what's going on now, not so much now as in today, but part of today, but really what's been going on in in our history, in our memories. I mean, the majority of the people that listen to this show, I'm assuming, are in, you know, are adults. We're in anywhere from 20 to 60 or so years old, I would assume. Um, So, you know, I look at it as me. I'm a 48-year-old man. And as far as I can remember, so this is where I'm kind of going with this, how times have changed in my 48 years of life. And do I see the writing on the wall as to what has happened to these past empires and what's going to happen to us possibly? All right, so first was the Persian Empire. So the Persian Empire, it was... um, founded by Cyprus the Great around 550 BC. And he went by the title of the King of Kings. Although the Persian Empire came to an inglorious end at the hen- at the hands of Alexander the Great in three, uh, 330 BC, it had a lasting legacy on the subsequent development of world civilizations and future empires. The Persian Empire was a pivotal empire because it was the first true empire that set the standard of what it meant to be an empire for future ones. So, the Persian Empire existed in a unique time in history when most of the civilized, populated world concentrated in the Middle East. As a result, the Persian Empire, which dominated most of the Middle East, ruled over a greater percentage of the world's population than any other empire in history. Indeed, in 480 BC, which was about the middle of their dominance, the empire had a population of 49 million people, which was 44% of the global population at that time. So, I mean, if you think about it, 
you, you know, you're almost half of what. So if they had 49 million, you figured population was around 100 million of the of the globe. Of course, the globe didn't. <laughs> well, you know, America. A lot of that. I mean, there was obviously populations in America, North, South, Central America, but. At the time, they didn't know that. So when when these numbers are being presented right now, 480 BC, this was obviously before the expansion into the New World. So this was basically Europe, Africa, the Middle East, uh, China, those areas. So you figure island, you know, some of the island areas like Australia, America, a lot of that. There was populations there of not of great consequences, but obviously they weren't recorded populations. So. Keep in mind when you say 100 million plus people, that was in a relatively small area. And half of that population lived in an even smaller area. So, you know, the Persian Empire, it spanned basically through the Middle East into North Africa and Central Asia, India, parts of Europe. So, now, what that means is when you hear Europe, you're thinking like France, Spain, whatever. It was really more like into Turkey, into Greece, uh, North Africa, Egypt, um, Libya, those areas there. And then the hub of it was um, Iran, Iraq, you know, in that area, the Middle East, right? And then spanned uh, east into India and then into uh, South Central China, um, Asia, so like China, Nepal, you know, those areas. And um, what happened was, as the the center of it was obviously in in like Iraq, Iran area, Baghdad, um, obviously as you spread out from the center, your edges get a little weaker. So it also jump-started the concept of empires in places like Greece and India, but those were like the outer reaches of the um of their stretch so to speak um basically how do you have such a large empire and this will be a a a ongoing thing what's the one thing that any empire needs to be expansive and controlling so to speak you need military might and the uh, Persian Empire military achievements were significant. Though, though they were often for, uh, forgotten by its sudden demise at the hands of Alexander's uh, armies. So, various Persian campaigns succeeded by subjugating most of the world's advanced civilizations at the time, including the Babylonians, Lindians, Egyptians, and northwestern Hindu region of Gandahara in today's Pakistan. It should not be forgotten that notwithstanding exaggeration and misrepresentation, the Persians believed that they had achieved their goals in Greece, that more Greeks lived in their empire than not. The Persian Empire ushered in a period of harmony and peace in the Middle East for 200 years, a feat that has seldom been replicated. The Persian Empire's legacy to the world in terms of imperial ideas include the use of network of roads, postal system, a single language for administration, uh, autonomy for various ethnicities and bureaucracies, the Persian religion, Zoroastrianism, <laughs> easy for me to say, influenced the development of key concepts like free will, 
heaven and hell in Arab, uh, Abrahamic religions through Judaism. Now, what's interesting about that is, now this was in a time, if you notice the dates, B.C., right? 480, 550, 330 B.C. So, um, basically what that religion was. So this was around the time of, this actually might have even predated a little bit of uh, Islam. So Zoroastrianism is an Iranian religion and one of the world's oldest continuously practiced organization faiths based on its teaching of Iranian-speaking prophet Zoroaster. So, it has a, a dualistic cos- cosmology of good and evil and an exaltating which pre- uh, predicts the ultimate consequence uh, of evil and good. So, similar, it's very similar to Christianity and the sense of good and evil, right? So, we think of good, God, evil, devil, right, Satan. Um, they, so... The uncreated and benevolent delta of wisdom known as Ahura Mazada, or wise lord, is a supreme being. The unique historical features of Zoroastrianism, <laughs> such as monotheism and uh, the belief of judgment after death. The conception of heaven and hell and free will may have influenced other religions, philosophy systems, you know, into Greek, Islam. Christianity and so on and so forth. So it's very interesting to know this. It was one of the very first religions, and um, it you know was practiced amongst all these people. And what they did in this Persian Empire was they treated everyone as one, but you had to be as one. So, like in America, for example. We believe in the freedom of religion. You can be Christian, you know, uh, you know, Jewish, Muslim, you know, whatever your religion is, you can be, a, or you can be no religion, right? We don't hold anyone to that. Now, it seems to be in, in the readings that I've done that they were specific as to what religion you could um, practice. There was no, but in, in all fairness, Christianity didn't exist, right? This was before Christ. Um, even in Greek, this was around the same time as the Greeks and, and whatnot. They believed in, they had different gods, they had different situations. Um, and surely as you spanned around the globe and whatnot, they obviously had different versions of what they felt was religion. Um, but, uh, as you go on, you, um, the, the biggest question I always have is you have these empires. So the Persian Empire lasted for like 220 years. Um, not a not extremely long time, considering we, this country that we live in, is in our, what, almost 250 years of our empire reign. <laughs> um, so what happened to the Persian Empire to cause it to fall? So, the uh, Persian Empire fall happened after a serious 
uh, tumultuous periods, including an economic crisis, bad governance, power struggles within the empire, revolts by the people, and then finally the conquest of uh, by Alexander the Great. So it's very interesting reading these things just, just in what I read you right there. So you had a tumultuous period, including uh, economic crisis, bad governance, power struggles, right? Well, I, I mean, granted, I'm not trying to say that Biden's going to be the demise of our empire. I hope that he is not. Um, but it's not even just him. Just look at, like I said, our recent history, our economic issues we've had. We, we go through too many ebbs and flows of our economic life, and we all live and die by what those things do, like we were just talking about supply change and inflation and wages not going up as high as inflation. Like I think the wage growth is at 4.7%, whereas inflation's at 7%. So even if you're making technically making a little more money, you're actually losing 2.5% to inflation. So, uh, so you have that economic crisis. We're kind of in that. The, the thing that's scary about this when you're reading these things, economic crises, is, and we've gone through these things in, in our history. You know, I talked about it in the 1920s, late 20s, early 30s. We had the issue, you know, Great Depression, right? And then we've had issues probably after World War One. I'm sorry, after World War Two, we dug ourselves out. The 50s, 60s were pretty good times for this country. And then the 70s came into the late 70s when Jimmy Carter was here and kind of jacked us up again. And then Reagan. So it's kind of, you can see how the, like I said, the ebbs and flows of, of life goes in this country. So you figure you had World War II. Um, you had a uh, Great Depression prior to that, World War II. And then the the country was was great. The 50s into the 60s, into the early part of the 70s was a great time to be in this country. Then we had a lull. Then, in the 80s, it started to build back up. My worry is, if you look at those time frames, you know, you look in history, same thing was in the early 1900s. So we had a good early 1900s. We had a little issue with Spanish flu. Then the 20s were great. But what we did in the 20s after the Spanish flu to make things great again we spent a shit ton of money, and like I went over this over the last show where we were out buying our supply and then supply had to catch up and then we stopped buying, which caused the Great Depression. Are we walking into that same situation now? And does that mean that this is a is this leading into World War Three? I'm not saying any with anyone specific. I'm not picking on picking out Russia or China or whoever else, but who's to say? Usually when you have a world war, it's not versus a country. It's versus countries. Like in World War II, we had the Axis and the Allies, right? So you had Japan and Germany and Italy versus kind of everyone else. Is that going to be a similar situation where China, Russia, North Korea join together to try and do whatever? I don't know. And I don't want to get too much into the American aspect. We're still talking about Persian. But I'm just trying to make the connection between what happened to the Persian Empire and what's happening now. 
And as we go through each of these these empires, I'm going to do this because you'll see a connecting rod between every empire that has rose and fall and fell. What their why and how they rose to power and dominance for however long, and why they ended up fa uh, falling. And so then you go into bad governance, well, and power struggles. So that kind of goes hand in hand because, granted, in these empires you had it was kind of like family-based empires, and uh, whoever was running the show kind of named their successor. It's not like we have in this country where we elect a president. Or, you know, I don't know, maybe it is where they name, I don't know. But at any rate, um, so you look at now, we're in an economic crisis. We're at the beginning of an economic crisis. Um, we have bad governance. Also, power struggles within the empire. So you figure the bad governance and power struggles within the White House, right? Revolts by the people. Well, we've been seeing more and more, uh, quote-unquote, uh, peaceful demonstrations, right, for the past couple of years, fueled by race hate or made-believe race hate or hatred of the police and the police hating the people. Um, so you had that. And then what happens is as these things happen, as you have an economic crisis and bad governance and power struggles and revolts, it weakens the country. And then what happens is you have someone, in Persians' case, it was Alexander the Great, came in and took care of business, so to speak. Now, is that going to happen here? God, God hope not, right? But when, when we have such divisiveness, and I've been talking about this recently a lot, that there's a lot of divisive in this country. You look at the media, what the media does, social media, um, the president, for that matter. We have to ride, and we as people, and I don't care how old you are, what color you are, if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, <laughs> we got to quit labeling people. We are all Americans, right? doesn't matter what color you are. I don't care. If you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you do you. But we all need to rise above the hatred and the division, or we very well could fall into the same role of past great empires. One of the declines of the Persian Empire came from um, a period of hardship under the ruler of Darius' sons, Exodus I. Depleted, he depleted much of the royal treasury from fu funding a military uh, campaign to invade Greece, which later failed in 480 B.C., and continued with his irresponsible spending upon returning home. Kind of sounds familiar. I mean, granted, we're not invading countries right now, but it's the irresponsible spending. Um, in, in addition, the costly defense of the land depleted empire's funds, leading to a heavier taxation amongst Persian subjects. The Persian Empire was established by Cyprus the Great, who united the Medes and the Persian to build a great empire, creating the cornerstone of a great civilization. Another great king, Darius I, expanded the territory even further. And most importantly, he implemented various changes and systems which guided Persia to the apex of world power. The fall of Persian Empire was 
basically heavy ta- taxation, economic downfall. And as we, as a country, you spend, you spend, you spend, you need to replace, replenish that money and you're going to replenish it from your people. The Persian leaders grew a habit of hoarding considerable amounts of money, which stagnated the general econ- economic circulation. This is why uh, Persepolis Alexander the Great discovered large amounts of silver talents. He recirculated this hoard back into the economy, and by the um, by the time of his death, a large portion of the talents had been spent on the building of cities, shipyards, temples, and pay, uh, payment of the troops, besides other government expenses. The last Persian king, Darius, took about 8,000 talents when he fled from Alexander to the north. Likewise, Harpalus, a uh, satrap of Persia, fled to Greece with about 6,000 talents. This money was later in possession of in Athens, its citizens to rebuild its economy after confiscating it. So, of course, that helped, <laughs> you know, when, when Alexander the Great took, uh, you know, invaded, he found all this hoarded money that they were collecting from, from its citizens. And so, uh, another reason, weak liter- leadership and lack of identity, which affected the military's efficiency. Um, the empire also lacked strong ruler uh, after the demise of Exorus. Um, this, along with the lack of a national identity, led to much internal commotion, many of which fought for supremacy, notorious uh, satraps revolts, and worsened the condition of Persian state and catalyzed the fall of the Persian Empire. And then, of course, the power struggles, which it's in these times, you obviously you had kings or rulers. And um, like I said, it was a family affair, essentially. So you had brothers fighting with brothers or cousins fighting with, you know, whatever the situation may have been, because they felt once you had Cyprus the Great, once he, you know, passed away. If you know he had a, so many sons that each one of them felt that they should be the ruler, and once you have these issues, I mean, we don't have those kind of issues here, obviously, because God help us if if something happened to Biden and uh, they wanted to make uh, Hunter the <laughs> president, we'd be screwed. But um, and then that led into revolts and turmoil. It's very, it's very interesting reading a lot of this stuff. Because you you can see a correlation. Now, like I said, this was 550 B.C. into 330 B.C. So you're talking, what, 2,600 years ago? So this was a very long time ago. Um, but as times go by, the issues remain the same. And... Um, you know, it kind of brings you to like what are the life the um, life cycles of empires? So, um, and and what are those lessons for us today? So, uh, the German philosopher Hegel knew that just because men and women learned about the past, that they didn't mean that that didn't mean they'd make better decisions about the future. He once clinically commented. 
what experience and history teaches um, teach us is this, that people and governments never have learned anything from history or acted on principles deduced from it. Now, what I take from that is, personally, is of all of our written history, however far back that goes, we can we we should be able to learn from history, right? But obviously, we don't. And I'm not. And I'm not saying we as in America. I'm talking about we as a as a per, as people. You know, as, you know, when we think of slavery in this country, right? We think of what happened in the building of this country in the 1700s into the 1800s where we had, you know, the African slave trade, the slave trade from Ireland. I mean, all slaves weren't black folks. If you didn't know that, not all the slaves came from Africa. There was Irish slaves. There was Chinese slaves. It was, it was a bad time in this country. Um, but it wasn't an American thing. It's not like we created slavery. That was something that started back in ancient times. The Persians had slaves. They had slaves in Egypt. They had slaves in England. They had slaves all across the globe because basically they've, you had govern, governments you know, across the world. You had empires across the world that were mighty. And basically, if you couldn't, if you were to... Uh, I'm trying to figure out, out the word of how to say it, but if, if they felt you were beneath them and you didn't hold a value to them other than being a laborer, then you were a slave. And then, like I said, it didn't matter what color you were. Now, for whatever reason in this country, all we can ever focus on is race. So when you tell people that the slave trade was started in this country, was started from Africa by other black people in Africa, it's like we went in there and stole black people and brought them back to America. We purchased them. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but it is what it is. You know, and we purchased you know, people, men and women, from Africa, from different parts of Africa, to be, come work on our fields and whatnot, but we bought them from their superiors, so to speak. It's not like, like I said, it's not like we went in there and kidnapped them and brought them back to this country. They were legitimately bought. I'm not saying it's a good thing. What I'm saying is that as evil as everyone wants to make slavery out to be, and it was a very bad thing to, to be in this history of this country, it wasn't an American thing. And if you think slavery is dead, then you have another thing coming. Now, it is dead in this country for the most part. I mean, you could say slavery exists in the sense of you know, some of the work that people have to do for minimum wage. Um, we can make that argument all day long because I'll sit here and tell you that, you know, you got to apply yourself. You got to be more. You got to do da, da 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 But that's an argument for another day. What I'm talking about, legitimate slavery, is still exists in this world. China, different parts of Asia, different parts of Africa. There's still slavery going on, but we're not losing our shit over it because... It's not here. But instead, we still focus on what happened in this country, you know, 150 years ago. And we use that as a catalyst to continue the divide. And what we're really doing, for whatever reason, I don't know if there's a grand scheme, if there's a grand plan, but 
by the constant demonizing of race in this co- in this country it just causes more division and a weak country cannot stand we are we are literally killing ourselves and in the meantime alexander the great's over there chomping at the bit so to speak but um for years after the collapse of the soviet union in 91 americans seemingly towered over the world as the great giant economically culturally and militarily but now for nearly a decade since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, its armed services have clashed with forces of Islamic extremists and terrorism in Afghanistan, Iraq, and elsewhere in the world. Now, I don't really want to get into that, the Islamic aspect of it, because based on some of the stuff I've read about the Middle East and, and dealings with that, they just, <laughs> we as Americans, in my opinion, now this is where the empire aspect of this country, people don't think of America as an empire. Other countries look at us as an empire. We are, in other countries, especially in the Middle East, we are called the American empire. We don't call us that. We don't call ourselves that. But we are. And why that is, is because we are a relatively new country, right? Compared to most countries in this world, we, we're new. We've only been a country for not even 250 years, right? So the things we do in other countries when we go to the Middle East, when we go to these other countries to try and uh, do the things we do, we wonder why the people in the Middle East, for example, are so infuriated with us. And it's because we, as America, as the American empire, try to spread our we're better than you and we know it attitude and we're going to change you to be like us. They don't want that. I mean, for the most part, I mean, you guys all live in this country. You shop wherever you shop and you go to the convenience stores and whatnot. And if people from the Middle East or India or wherever want to be like Americans, they just come to America. We don't need to spread America to the Middle East. They don't want that. They want to be their own people. And that's where what worries me with the American empire, we're so worried about what everyone else is doing and not worried about ourselves. And to me, that's going to cause our demise. And as I keep reading into other um, other empires, you'll understand the correlation. This is just the first one. This is the Persian Empire. So we'll go into the Roman Empire, which obviously would probably be the most, well, it's not going to be the most famous one, but everyone, when I, Persian Empire, people probably heard of Persia, whatever. But um, the next one is, is a more obvious one, and that would be the Roman Empire. And, um, I'm going to go over basically eight reasons why Rome fell. And it's because I wanted them to. Some bit. No. <laughs> so um, you had invasions by different tribes, um, which, which helped um, the uh, weakening, weakening of their, uh, their uh, shit, their military. I'm sorry. Um, but some of the biggest problems 
is and reading through different bouts of history here, uh, economic troubles and the over-reliance on slave labor. Hey, look at that, slave labor too. Um, so even as Rome was under attack from outside forces, it was also crumbling within thanks to the severe financial crisis. Constant wars and overspending had significantly lightened imperial coffers and oppressive taxation and inflation had widened the gap between rich and poor. In the hope of avoiding the tax man, many members of the wealthy class had even fled to the countryside and set up independent feldoms. At the same time, the empire was rocked by a labor deficit. Rome's economy depended on slaves to till its field and works as craftsmen, and its military might had traditionally provided a fresh influx of conquered peoples to put to work. But when expansion grounded to a halt in the second century, uh, Rome's supply of slaves and other war treasures began to dry up. A further blow uh, came in the fifth century when the Vandals claimed North Africa and began disrupting the empire's trade by prowling the Mediterranean as pirates. With its economy uh, faltering and its commercial and uh, agricultural production in decline, the empire began to lose its grip in Europe. So that's an interesting aspect. Like I said, there's this thing here has eight. But I like to focus on things that kind of have to do with what we're dealing with. So obviously, we're not being invaded by barbarian tribes. So I don't need to focus on that. Um, so economic troubles and over-reliance on slave labor. Now granted, we don't have slave labor. But... So, uh, it says, oh, oppressive, oppressive taxation and inflation, right? We're kind of in the middle of that right now. Inflation is at the highest it's been in 40 years. Um, even though Biden says he wasn't going to raise taxes, taxes are being raised. I don't know if you guys realize this, but if you've, if you, uh, received stimulus last year, you have to pay that back this year. Um, fortunately, uh, I didn't get stimulus. I know I was complaining about that because everyone was getting all this money and I didn't get any, (laughs) but, uh, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's not a bad thing because, uh, people are having to put that in their taxes this year. And subsequently, if you got 500,000, 2000, whatever that dollar amount is, you lose that money. So, and I said this, me and Chris said this for a while when people were getting the stimulus, Hold on to that money because you're going to have to pay it back. But no, everybody went ape shit, went spending, buying TVs and whatnot. And, but, you know, don't listen to me. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so they obviously, they, they keep digging in, like here it says, imperial coffers. Well, that would be your treasury. So as you keep printing money and keep doing that, that raises your inflation. And you're widening the gap between rich and poor. So, I mean, you can see this was Rome. Yeah, so that was, um, what was that? 20, 27 BC into 20, 286 AD. So you're talking a roughly little more than 300 years of, of power. So you can see the first one was what I say was around 220 years. This one's about 300 years. So you're not talking, these these empires didn't last thousands of years you know we think when we when we were kids and we learned in school about 
the Roman Empire and these different empires, we think that they lasted for thousands and thousands of years. But they were literally a couple hundred years because, like in America, for example, we were colonies of England initially. I mean, not just the whole country. Obviously, some of it was colonies of Spain and France and whatnot. But the history that you knew best was the 13 colonies, England, uh, Revolutionary War, declared our independence, so on and so forth. So 1776, you know, we declared our independence, we fought a war. Uh, I think 1783, I, I, I think, I'm not quite sure of the exact year, but I think was the year we became a country. Um, but nonetheless... Uh, we, for 200 plus years, have steadily became a power. Now, when the Revolutionary War, when we did that, it's not like England forgot. They tried to come back in 1812, the War of 1812, and we had Spain try to invade us. We had issues the first 50, 60 years of, of this country being around because we were such a new and small, and obviously we weren't a weak country but we were perceived as such but nonetheless we're to that point in time where you had like I said the Persian Empire 220 years the Roman Empire a little over 300 years we're in that timeline and that's what starts to worry me as you start reading Rome Roman Empire inflation taxation um, we're you know rocked by labor deficits what are we seeing in this country? We're rocked by labor deficits. We're seeing high inflation. <laughs> We're seeing taxation. And people don't think, oh, well, he hasn't raised taxes. Okay, you're paying more in gas. You're paying, there, there's taxes. There's, there's hidden taxes, is what I like to call them. Your inflation is a tax. Your $1.50, $2 more a, ga a gallon for gas is a tax. Uh, you got Mayor Pete talking about a mileage tax, gas tax. They're, they're taxing you without telling you they're taxing you. And then you get the slave labor. So now, like I said, we don't have slave labor in this country per se. And the way the Romans did it is they conquered countries, they conquered territories, and they captured their strongest men and whatnot and brought them back and they worked the fields and stuff. But what are we seeing in this country today in that same kind of instance, right? The southern border, we have all these... Um, Folks coming from wherever, I don't want to say Mexicans because they're not all necessarily Mexicans, but wherever they're coming from, Honduras, Central America, wherever, most of those people coming up, men and women, are at least, okay, so where we live here in Florida, where I live in Florida, there's orange groves, there's strawberry fields, there's a lot of farms around, and for the most part, that's who does the dirty work, so to speak is, you know, the migrant workers from wherever, from South America, Central America, Mexico, wherever they come from. Now, granted, they're being paid to do the job. How much they get paid, I couldn't tell you. You know, I don't know if they're minimum wage or what they get paid exactly. But nonetheless, it's not easy work. Those people are out there from dusk to dawn or dawn to dusk um, doing whatever they do, whatever whatever the job is. And and they migrate. So like in Florida, you pick, your picking season is now. So you have your oranges and your 
your strawberries and whatnot. That's going on now. And then as it warms up, as the rest of the country warms up, they'll move into Georgia and South Carolina and North Carolina and those areas to do whatever stuff needs to be done up there. Um, so it's not slave labor per se because they can roam and do about and go do what they want to do. But it's work that most Americans don't want to do. And that's a lot of the argument you'll see. Well, if we don't let these people come up from wherever, who's going to pick your vegetables? Who's going to pick your fruit? Which to me is a racist term, but usually that's what you hear Democrats say a lot of. Um, I, I personally don't have a problem with anybody coming into this country. I don't. But just do it the right way. Go to the door, knock, fill out your paperwork so we know who's coming in this country. And if you want to work in the fields and do whatever, by all means, knock yourself out. But at least do it the right way. And then as you move in, so obviously there was a rise of other empires around the globe. And, you know, as other <laughs> empires raise, you know, raise up. Now, great, they weren't considered great empires, but you still had fighting. You had the uh, Grecian Empire, which really wasn't a major empire, but Greeks um, had a lot to do with the history of man, even though they weren't considering, weren't considered one of the great empires of our time. But then another reason the Roman Empire failed was overexpansion and the military. I mean, Rome, the Roman Empire, we, you know, Rome is a city, obviously, but the Roman Empire was, was vast, but the, the bulk of it started in Italy, obviously, right? And they expanded north, south into northern Africa and whatnot. But the people, as you spread, like I said, just like with Persia, as you spread out from the center and you get out to the edges, you're, you're, um, you're thinning out your military might. And you're much like what we see in America when we go to the Middle East. We're spreading out our military, our, our reach into the Middle East those people in the Middle East don't want us there. They don't want to be Americans. They want to be Iraqis or Iranians or whatever. I think our biggest issue with a lot of these countries is, or what we're, what we're being told anyway, I should say, is that these people are unstable and they want nuclear power and they want nuclear this and they're going to bomb everybody. Well, maybe they just want nuclear power to power their homes. I don't know. I'm not saying that there's not crazies over there. But once again... We overexpand our military and our spending, which causes more inflation, more taxation, more like World War II. Um, we were trying to buy our way, or not buy our way, but kind of fight our way out of a Great Depression by spending money on military. Well, I, obviously, I wasn't alive back then, but based on what I've read, a lot of our issues were. There wasn't much food. You couldn't use certain items. You had to, you know, the stores weren't quite as full because it went to the war effort. You couldn't buy cars because it went to the war effort and so on and so forth. But um, as we <laughs> as we keep doing these things, you you stretch out your people and they get tired. Another reason why the Roman Empire fell, government corruption and political instability. Gee, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> Government corruption, political instability. I don't even have to go into details on this because that pretty much speaks for itself, right? 
And then um, Christianity and the loss of traditional values. Um, Rome, obviously, is kind of like the birthplace of, of Catholicism. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Christianity was initially uh, kind of a cult-like religion, and it grew into what it is today, and that was a lot to do with with Rome. But, um, and like I said, you had invasions from different tribes and different parts of, but I think the biggest thing here is the government corruption, political instability, Overexpansion, military overspending, and um, economic ec- economic troubles, and over reliance on slave labor. So it's interest interesting to note. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably close out by saying this. So we've gone through two empires. We got three more to go. So um, as you can see in the first two, some of the common denominators were political corruption. Overspending, overtaxation, overexpanding, overreaching its uh, its what broadening its horizon, so to speak. And now, like I said, those things will be a common a common scenario as we we read on. But um, with that being said, guys, I hope you will enjoy this. This will be a part one, and like I said, this is the um, rise and fall of great empires in history and how that equates to us today. Um, I hope you liked it. It was, it, And this was brought to you by redcon1.com. So check them out. Use that podcast, uh, the link at the bottom of the podcast app. And please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you could share this with your friends. And also, if you're on Apple, give me a five star and just keep on looking for this. Like I said, this will be a part one. I'll do part two in another couple of days. And uh, if I can't finish it up in part two, we'll wrap it up in part three. And then if, if, if you guys like this, go to the website, don'ttreadonamerica.com. Check out the social media platforms. And from there, if you would check out, uh, subscribe, like the pages, uh, go to the social media platforms, like those pages to follow me there. Uh, subscribe to the website and um, tell me what you think. If you have any questions or anything you want to drop a line or any uh, anything you want to add to this, uh, please do so. Other than that, guys, you have a great day, and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you.